Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Pagans Tonight Radio Network, the voice of the pagan world. Pagans Tonight is sponsored by Witchschool.com, your anyone, anytime, anywhere magical education. Hello, this is Reverend Stephanie Neal, and this is The Witch's Way. And we have a wonderful subject here to present to you tonight. And as always, beautiful witches and one friend of witches. And we want to start by talking about, um, well, I asked uh, or posed the question, uh, what is your favorite animal energy you prefer to to work with or that you like uh, or a wonderful experience related to an animal? So it's pretty open-ended, and I know you'll enjoy this show. So let's get started with with uh, Maxine. Hi, my name is Maxine, uh, and today I'm going to talk about um, my dog, Sarah, that passed away a few years ago. Um, dogs are a very popular animal, um, man's best friend, and uh, an internet favorite, uh, but for the longest time, I didn't like pets because I didn't really grow up with them. Uh, so they were always this childhood desire that I just eventually got over. Um, so when Sarah came into my life, it was in negative circumstances. She used to be my stepfather's dog, and I really didn't like him. So that energy kind of like extended to the dog. Um, then with how life circumstances happen, um, my mom ended up taking the dog, and uh, then my mom lived with me, so then it happened that this dog was now my dog, and I was responsible for it. So I kind of held, a, like, resentment um, towards this dog, and again, her name was Sarah with an H at the end. Uh, as the years passed, very slowly, um, this dog became very dear to me, and it was a very slow process, and it was a huge learning experience. And towards the end of Sarah's life, she ended up living with me and my boyfriend and becoming part of our family. So this dog, at first, I was like not interested in it, and I kind of hated Sarah. And then eventually I came to love Sarah tremendously and so much that, you know, I, I hold her ashes um, still at home and I think of her fondly and I miss her very, very much. And it just taught me a huge lesson on kindness um, and how you can sometimes grow to, you know, love something that you hated or didn't like before. So, I, you know, dogs and animals in general help us be better people and I think grow spiritually. And I feel, you know, Sarah came into my life to teach me that lesson. So that's why I, I think dogs are great to work with, not only as a <clears throat> life companions, but uh, also spiritually. Thank you. 
Wow, Maxine, that was really a neat story. And the way that what you went through, your process of going from hating an object, uh, you know, and then coming to love. And, you know, that's I, – I, I actually have a dog story too, but I'm not going to share it. I don't want to take away from you. There will be another opportunity that I get to share about how dogs became so important to me. So – I will have to change my subject at this point. Thank you, Maxine. (laughs) (laughs) But actually, the other animal I was thinking of is the meerkat. Now, there was some, oh, some years ago, I watched a, I guess it was a PBS-type show about meerkats. And they, they, I found very, I, I became very attracted to their appearance, their lifestyle, and all that. Meerkats are, actually, the name derives from the word monkey, but they're not monkeys. They're not a part of the monkey family. Meerkats are mainly, their home address is Africa, the continent of Africa. Uh, and they are a, uh, they're in the family of the mongoose. But I found them so intriguing to watch on this TV show. I've never, I've seen them in a zoo, I, I, I will say that. And they always attract attention because they, they make me think when they, they stand up on their legs, they're standing up and coming down, and it makes me think of that whack-a-mole game that you see uh, in, in the carnival or something like that. But they are just so, they're just so, they look like they're caring animals. Uh, they're very defensive of their, their group. They create colonies, and, and they go underground, and, and they have like a whole, uh, whole organization. And it makes me think of people particularly like in the pagan world, that we come together and we're there to help one another and uh, uh, protect one another and love one another and all that. And a colony of meerkats, if you just watch, you know, I'm sure you could YouTube it and see some amazing videos of them. But uh, when they pop their head up, it's a part of their looking for, they're protecting. They're looking up to guard the rest of the the, the colony, uh, and it, it, I think of them as a village, and uh, it, it takes a village to raise a meerkat, I guess. But they're very; they will defend against other meerkat colonies. Uh, they sort of have their boundaries. Uh, they're not actually vicious, but they will uh, attack if they're getting attacked, like say by other other. Uh, Meerkats, but generally that doesn't happen because they are all very territorial. Uh, they have to watch out for eagles, uh, but they like to eat scorpions, which is not a bad thing to keep the scorpion population down. But I just I, meerkats look like a joyful, happy animal, and when you see pictures of them, how they snuggle against one another and they put their arms around one another and. They're standing on the ridge, and one head goes up, and another head goes up, and it's almost like a uh, orchestration of music. So that's that's uh, that's the animal I wanted to talk about tonight, and I'll save my dog story for another time. <laughs> Hi, this is Elizabeth, and and um, in your travels, in your daily life. Be aware of the animals that cross your path. I was taking a road trip um, as a 
single female traveling across country from from um, actually I started in California and coming to Atlanta and I was just leaving uh, Pagosa Springs and I had stopped for um, for breakfast and when I got out of the car there was this gorgeous creature with crystal blue eyes and it was a husky possibly a husky wolf mix and it gave me such satisfaction of protective energy in my travels Um, and when I got out of the car I said hello beautiful thank you for being in a present in my life and and guarding me in my travels. Also, I have in in my neighborhood there is this I don't know exactly what it is. <laughs> it, it looks like a beaver with a tail, so maybe it's a woodchuck or it's it, it's some herbivore because it loves my garden. At first, I was kind of miffed that it ate my zinnias. It's like, it loves zinnia flowers. It's like, okay. So I shifted my perception. And so instead of it invading my garden, that as as a caretaker, I am a provider and it it had nice leafy greens, and so I just planted extras. I anticipate that he's going to eat my leaves. He ate the leaves off my watermelon. He, I'm glad I had lots of watermelon leaves because he kept on eating them. And because this animal is in my backyard. It could be protecting me from other predatory animals that may be there and when I go out into my backyard in the dark at night, it could be protecting me. So I am blessed that he is a presence residing in my neighborhood, possibly underneath my house, but you know. But we have a love. I give him, he protects me, and um, and that's that's just so. Be aware of animals that cross your path, and and look into their spirit and how they can have a positive influence in your life. Hi, this is ominous friend as described at the beginning. Um, And just before I get into my story, I want to make sure to mention to everyone who's um, listening, we have an active participation within the animal kingdom in this room right now. Um, Unfortunately, you can't see it, but we've had a wonderful dog just laying at the foot of the um, room next to all of us, just enjoying as we talk about how great dogs are and and seems to be not not so happy where we move on from that topic. Um, and unfortunately, I'm going to have to disappoint him even more because um, I want to talk about a pet that most people don't really think about, an animal that 
it's kind of fascinating once you get a chance to look into them more as parrots. So I grew up in a household that raised parrots. At one time, we had as many as uh, 20 parrots in our household, um, ranging from African greys, macaws, cockatoos, cockatiels, parakeets, and such. And the reason I wanted to mention it is because one of the big things that I feel that enters that conversation about, you know, when, when you start looking at the spiritualism with animals, you start looking at first the natural human instinct to look for intelligence with animals. And parrots have a fascinating way of learning. Um, many parrots have been shown to have intelligences along the lines of a three-year-old to a five-year-old with the ability to have full um, comprehension of individuals' faces, being able to tell texture and color, sorting by patterns um, to the point of, of questioning if they can handle mathematic questions, like very simple mathematics. Um, and that really causes you to reevaluate, or at least it did for me, caused me to reevaluate animals, their intelligence, their perception of the world, and thereby also the, 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 the moving into the metaphysical question of where they, you know, how they affect the world around them. Is there a conscious decision or unconscious decision on how they affect it? And just the, 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 having an animal that's aware of your presence and knows you and prefers you over others makes you feel special which is magic in itself. So. So I asked to go last. <laughs> because, but I think everything can kind of be summed up and um, with ditto <laughs> from my experience too. Um, and to kind of give a little bit of history of where I'm coming from because, yes, I've grown up with cats and dogs from childhood uh, into now. I am a cat trainer, and not only that, but I also train bobcats, crows, vultures, <laughs> and a few other species. Um, I've had many other experiences with animals. I've done field research in Costa Rica. I've been volunteers at many places at the zoo. There's a wildlife hospital that I volunteer at as well. Um, I've gone to uh, a wolf preserve. And so I guess, so the struggle is real in picking my favorite land animal or land animal energy to work with. Um, and I guess it's, so when the animals come into your life or when you're working with them, when you're forming that relationship, it's, not just a specific animal, but it's that energy I like working with and however it's being presented to me because it's a connection to something that's beyond. And when you do animal magic, the animal that is coming up to you, they represent something that's coming up, something that to build in your life, something that's coming into your life. There's a certain representation with that energy that can kind of help narrow down your thinking, your focus to what do I need to focus on now? And you can kind of see it with that energy that's coming up. And 
I guess it's just I like that energy. I like that surprise of what's going to come into my life. How is how are they going to present themselves to me? And it's from anything, like any time that you see any kind of animal anywhere. Like as Elizabeth said, it's just when you're driving down the road, do you see a deer? Do you see an armadillo? Do you see a raccoon? Um, if you're walking, do you see a snake? And it's just one of those kind of like the animal is there, and then it's like what were you thinking about at that moment? What was? It's just that energy. They're there, and it's just to have that connection, just working with that connection to um, – however you want to term Mother Nature, a goddess, Gaia, it's just that is that is just something that I enjoy working with in so many ways. And just when you focus in on one animal and you build a relationship such as training an animal or having them as a companion, because uh, there are some falconers that have hawks and owls and other, an- other birds as companions or if you're having a macaw or someone else, Someone else, <laughs> cute. <laughs> um, but if you're having um, another bird, um, to ha- or even fish, even spiders, because I know one, um, spiders are a big totem for me, and they have a big significance. So when I do see a spider, it's it draws me to something else, to where it's like, oh, I need to work on my communication right now. And so it's what was I thinking of, you know, was I thinking on writing, sending an email? Was I thinking about calling somebody? It's one of those, it just it can be like a simple phrase that you can have with that animal energy. Or it can be something huge and amazing, like if you're working with an elephant. So, I mean, it's just, it, I can't pick one. <laughs> Going on to like animals that present themselves um, spiritually, but this is Maxine again. Um, one of them for me is the shark. Um, so when I go into a meditative space, specifically when it's I want to meditate but it's difficult, I've created um, a place in my imagination that I go to and I go into the water, but it's like more like a a pond or a small lake in a forest. And more often than not, I always encounter an animal that shouldn't be there, and it is a great white shark. Um, so, and I've had conversations with this shark energy and like what it represents in my life, and it's always been um, about facing my fear because a lot of people are afraid of sharks um, but sharks have a vital function in real nature and they basically are uh, keeping you know the oceans clean because they eat a lot of garbage uh, not only natural made but man-made they can digest a lot of things and they take care of um, excess populations not to mention they're incredible to look at. They're very powerful, but they inspire a lot of fear. Um, but in the, in the spiritual realm, whenever I've interacted with the shark, it's been in different ways. One of them was being eaten by the shark itself and as a method of rejuvenation, starting again, um, passing through the shark 
to start anew or see something from a different perspective to cleanse myself. And other times I have ridden the shark to take me to um, a place that I should see in my meditation. or And then sometimes I've just been really close to it while swimming underwater and it's talking to me. And it's usually to give me harsh truths that I need to hear that nobody else will tell me um, or that I don't want to hear. But it, it always, with the shark in front of me, I'm like, I'm afraid of you, but I'm not afraid of you. Tell me what I need to hear. Help me do what I need to do. So um, not only think about what your favorite animal is in like the real world, but what animals present themselves in your imagination while daydreaming, while actual dreaming, in tarot cards, um, in books, and maybe conversations with people. Because maybe you, they, obviously a shark is very difficult for me to see here in mainland Georgia. But if it comes up in a magazine, a book, a conversation, see those, those things as signs for maybe animal totems or messages from the animal world that um, you should look into. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you for doing that, Maxine, because it's one thing I know a lot of people, when they're, like, looking for their totems, they're like, oh, I want a, quote, unquote, cool animal. You know, I want the bear, I want the lion, eagle or something. And it's one of those, and when an animal presents themselves to where they're like, oh, I got an armadillo. I mean, it's it's one of those to where I can kind of see where there's, like, that, that break to where it's like an animal just present themselves to you. And it's not one of those like, aw. I mean, it's one of those because I've worked with armadillos. <laughs> and so and they are strong and they are protective. And there is like so much about them. And they can be shy, they can be curious, and they, they are smart and fast as anything. So it's when you – it's just an open door to work with that animal. So it's kind of like just, you know, work past that fear like with the shark or if you get, you know, have that illusion just kind of like fall down to where it's like see the animal and if you're not sure about it or if you get something like skunk because I've worked with skunks <laughs> and so <laughs> and so I've worked with seven baby skunks that had a hair trigger <laughs> so um, it's one of those they were very playful they were very curious they were um, it, it was just and how they worked together how they teamed together to where they were kind of solitary but I mean, it's just when you have that animal to come up to you and you just kind of set back any kind of if you're just not sure if you just don't know or if you do kind of know but you want to know more I mean yeah they it's just kind of work past that and just see what's happening because all animals are cool even little possums <laughs> baby, baby possums are the best I actually have a request for Lily here and I would like you and I would like you to um, if you want to um, tell the story of when you worked with horses and Epona came to you um, through that. You, that was one of the first stories you ever told me about yourself and your experience with animals. I would, If you want, I would love you to share that. Okay. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, so uh, I this was a number of years ago, and I had a friend who was a horse broker, and she had a farm that had a number of horses on there. 
and she lived in an area to where, um, and she, there was a certain situation to where she wasn't living on the property with her horses, and at that house she was living on another off-site, and she had a few horses that, you know, could open up the gate and get out onto the highway, and so she wanted someone to live on site to take care of them and manage them, and I went there to kind of have like a test run of um, of it, so I was just there for two weeks, and um, I, I I think this is the story that you were referring to, and so I was going there, and um, I had cleaned out my room because everything else was going to be for customers. So I had cleaned out my room, I created a, an altar space, and I created an altar, and I was like, okay, I'm just going to let this this kind of clear it out. I'm going to work with the energy that is here, and I remember. I don't know, I'm kind of confused now because I know that there was a couple of bits of energy that were there, but I remember that there was, I had a feeling of like an ancient, ancient presence. Um, it was the, the an ancestor of the horse, the one that looks like, um, that has like the weird feet. I'm sorry, I know. Upon okay. Oh. <laughs> and so, but... Uh, I had a feeling of that presence and that they were like kind of pulling on my shirt and they were like, they were trying to get my attention. And um, so it's that energy. I opened up myself to that energy and they came like, hey, I'm here to help and just kind of help you with the horses and everybody here. So it, it's, yeah. That was the story? Okay, okay. <laughs> okay, this is uh, Mike again. Now, you may be sitting back listening to this show and think, why are everyone so excited about animals? Well, I have to tell you that before I became pagan, a Wiccan, a witch, I didn't really see animals the way I see them now. And I think that happens to a lot of people when they cross into this path, that sometimes you take things for granted that you don't see. Uh, when you're driving, you know there's a stop sign there, but you don't see it, really. Uh, hopefully you do, actually. But, I mean, it, it's almost like once you enter into this journey of Wicca, becoming a witch, a pagan, all of a sudden things of nature start showing up. They were always there. It's just you didn't appreciate them. And whether it's the fox running across the field or... Uh, a deer or just other animals that suddenly you get a connection where you didn't have any connection at all before. So that's why you hear the excitement in so many people's voice when we talk about animals. So I, I just wanted to add that because it was astounding to me as the universe opened up my eyes to what was already there. And I guess we could talk about trees next time or this or another thing because they all are under the same umbrella that our eyes open up. So for now, I think Stephanie wants to talk about her favorite. If you need to interrupt, go ahead. All right, my favorite animal, once again, it's difficult to decide which. And as uh, living a pagan life, uh, we tend to appreciate uh, the partnership we have with uh, so many animals and realize how many animals are, in fact, in our life. Because we live on six acres of land, I try to count uh, how many animals live, different animals, 
uh, live on this particular land. And uh, I ran out of space because I was writing each one down, you know, that the butterfly and the bee and uh, uh, the ant and on and on. And pretty soon uh, that's with everybody uh, with the backyard that you realize how many animals uh, that you're surrounded. They've surrounded us. And that's a, a good feeling. And it just as you're recognizing and thinking about each one, then you, like uh, Reverend Micah said, then that they uh, they appear uh, as if like, oh, I was just thinking about you. But one of my animals I've always uh, had a little bit of a closest to is horses, which here that was brought up, and I was uh, thrilled about that when you started talking about horses, and I. I always think that horses is one of those animals, like dogs and cats, uh, but in a different way, that they've decided to work with human beings, like literally work with human beings, literally be their partners. And whenever I see a horse on a tarot card and you see maybe someone riding in from a victory uh, holding up a wreath uh, on a, a stave, and and so many people will focus in on the victor on the horse, but I look at the horse, and as you're looking at the horse, look at the expression of that horse. In fact, any time you see any horses in the tarot, most of the time it's the horse that's the star of the card, and conveying a very much a, an energy, a direction of uh, interpretation of that card. Uh, you know, one might be galloping, one might be standing, one might be sitting, uh, one might be uh, raising their, their front uh, uh, hoops uh, up in the air. Uh, but their expressions are priceless. So, so there's that. And then if you think about a horse that... Uh, They've decided to go in battle, just like that one tarot card about here. You see the victor. Well, the horse is a victor, too, because the horse also experienced exactly what uh, the warrior experienced. They were, ran into battle with the, someone on their back and was right there and many times killed and uh, or at least badly bruised and broken up too, uh, just like the warriors. So they were right in there. They didn't run away. At least I guess most of them. Maybe some did run away. I don't. I don't know. But but essentially, they were trained. They were. They allowed <clears throat> human beings to train them to be warriors inside a war. <laughs> so that's just amazing. Uh, they're trained. They were trained and are trained now to um, uh, plow the land. I know they don't, maybe some countries, yes, I'm sure some countries do still use a horse to plow the land, uh, and, but they're trained to, to help basically feed uh, humans. Uh, they've helped with burdensome things, if like a large uh, pile of wood needed to go from A place to B place. Well, they would use the the brute force of a of a horse, and for years they would even uh, identify the force 
with like horses are the power. They would say, oh, this is X horsepower, and so they would equate horses uh, with with power. Uh, they're they're it's for, they're for entertainment. They they, um, they they're for for pets. Many people have horses for pets. Um, they race. Uh, they uh, and that's a whole other type of horse that is trained within an inch of its life. Uh, sometimes it's sad, but they they're all about uh, uh, learning and training. So very very trainable. Uh, so of course, dogs and cat, cats. I can't put them up to the point of like, yeah, I just can't see any cat being trained to run a race. Now, probably there are people out there that yes, cats can run our ways, but they they definitely have a little bit of an attitude problem. But that's fine. We love them. Um, dogs are maybe a little bit a little bit more trainable. But I'm not saying cats can't be trained because we have a cat train trainer right here in this room. In the studio, so yes, so yeah, so we we definitely cats can be trained, uh, but in comparison to a horse, like come on, um, and the dedication that it goes into deciding to work with human beings. Um, so so there's that, and just like one little thing is that that it's definitely helping the horse of this community in a very indirect way. But once again, like we, we live on a little bit of land here and uh, pretty much half of it is field. And we allow a uh, farmer to come on and raise hay for horses. And uh, you know we don't charge them or anything because it feels nice to know that we're helping the horse population around here. So he uses our land uh, to raise hay, and then twice a year he cuts it down and rolls it up in a ball, and um, then and it's always a pleasant feeling seeing it being harvested, knowing that that the horses are going to be fed um, around this area, and you know, so just like a little thing, even, even though it's so very indirect. Um, so, like little things like that, that if we can think of little things to help um, a particular species, I, I always uh, think that's nice uh, to, to do. Uh, but yeah, the, the horse is absolutely a charming, uh, beautiful animal in, in my book. All right, so there you have it, and we certainly enjoyed having you tonight. And so until next time, blessed be, and I'm going to end this time with with a song. And it's going to be Pipes of
They sound across our sacred land of old. 